You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42 Cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I'm your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode lined up for you where we're going to talk to Lauren Cornelius. Yes, the actress who has taken up the role of Dodo Chaplet that was last played by Jackie Lane in the 1960s in Doctor Who. And so now there is a whole new range of First Doctor adventures featuring the First Doctor with Dodo, played by Lauren. And Lauren was very generous with her time coming on the show and talking with me about doing that. So we'll get to that in just a few minutes. In recent news, Beth and I just started watching Moon Knight. It wasn't exactly what I was expecting, but overall I did enjoy it. I am looking forward to seeing where the story goes on it. But of course we'll get into that more once we do our Moon Knight story. So keep watching this space. I have some... Exciting con news, hopefully, coming up, but I can't really say what that is. It doesn't really change the fact that the two cons that I'm going to next will be Fan Expo Chicago and Chicago TARDIS. Fan Expo Chicago is in July, Chicago TARDIS is in November, so if you want to meet me, you can look for me in those two places. But there's another announcement with all of that hopefully coming. So I'm sorry that I'm being coy there, but it's really big, but I don't want to count my chickens before they hatched. I just want to let you all know that I am really excited about something. So you'll know soon whether or not there's any substance to this, but I'm kind of over the moon right now, but we'll see. We'll see what happens from this. I hope I'm not disappointed. But yeah, since this is an interview episode, we will go out right as the interview ends. There won't be an outro like there normally is, so just wanted to make sure that everybody's aware of that. But now, without further ado, we are going to go to a promo for another fine podcast, and then we will have our interview with Lauren. Drew Leiter here. Wish you could keep up on DC Comics, but don't have the time or the money? Not a problem. Join Cletus Jacobs and I as we bring you recaps and commentary on DC Comics, television, movies, and more, whether they are good or not. The Earth Station DCU podcast comes out weekly and is part of the ESO Network. And we're back. And like we talked about at the top of the show, we have with us today actress Lauren Cornelius, who has had many roles for Big Finish, but most recently she is companion Dodo Chaplet in the First Doctor Adventures. Lauren, welcome to the 42 cast. 
Oh, thank you so much. It's so nice to be chatting to you again. Yeah, yeah. We met at Chicago TARDIS. Yeah, exactly. First time on the podcast. But yeah, it was lovely, lovely to meet you. I'm glad we could we could make it happen and catch up again. Yeah, no, it's great. So I've been asking everybody, it's probably going to be something that I, I taper off from now on. But But since we're still kind of at the tail end of COVID, how have the last couple of years been for you, especially as an actress working and everything? Has it been difficult? Were you able to keep things going? How has Big Finish been with all of that? I'm just kind of curious how you've been weathering through lockdown. Yeah, I mean, we've all had better years, haven't we? But um, <laughs> it's uh, it, it's pushed actors to sort of get out of their comfort zones, I think. Mm. In terms of, for me in particular, I'm, I'm not a very technical person so I just you know when I'm used to working with with amazing companies like Big Finish and other other companies um, where I come in record I do a lot of voice work um, and and it's always in a studio so I always go in and then I sort of just have to focus on what I'm doing or my work on the script or the preparation or my techniques everything like that I don't r- normally have to um, worry about saving the files or my mic levels or uh, all that kind of stuff. I mean, I didn't even have a home studio until COVID hit. So mm-hmm. now that I had to sort of get that get that set up and push myself to figure out how to use these things and how to how to get things going so that I could still still work during the pandemic. Obviously, theatre. Unfortunately, um, I wasn't able to do any theatre work for a while when all shoots got pushed back for for films and and any film sort of content. But it really did open up a new world for audio, and I think it's it's actually been a really good thing in a way because it's made it more accessible for for actors to record from wherever. Mm-hmm. I recorded the majority of my. I recorded my first episode as Dodo um in the secrets of Death Sen in my coat cupboard which was my home studio so I've got yeah the neighbors I'm sure because there's an air vent that connects to to the other house um, mm-hmm. which, which is to my neighbor's house so while I was up there screaming um in the Himalayas for the yetis uh I'm sure that uh yeah they were like what's going on next door but it was so in some ways it was good, other ways it was it was kind of bad, but we we learned and and I feel like in every experience you can learn from it. You can take something away from it. So mm. luckily I got my my home studio situation sorted. So that's a that's the positive. No, that's really nice. So how do you find that though? I mean, because you talked about the positive being able to do it at home, but I mean, how do you find the process of working from home where you're isolated from your coworkers with being in the studio where, yeah, you might be in a separate booth, but you can at least see everybody and you can talk afterwards and all that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so much nicer to to be in the studio. And if you're lucky, you get sort of positioned. Um, there's there's some different studios that I've been in in Big Finish. One of them um, is a bit of a smaller space and you're in these individual sort of rooms in a way and there's but there's a glass door so you might be next to you you can search you can see the people that you're you're acting with your fellow actors and, and your other characters so that's always really nice because I just feel that when you can make a bit of eye contact with someone you can you're really really in the moment whereas when I was doing it in my coat cupboard it's kind of what was nice in the coat cupboard is that it was really dark I had to get mm. little battery powered light bulbs and 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 just so that I could see the script and, and see the screen and everything it was a there was a lot going on but but I just completely used my imagination I had my um headphones on so I could hear 
at people's responses, but I couldn't see them. Um, so I, I feel like you can still achieve amazing things. But for me personally, I, I just prefer to be in studio because then you can just really bounce off of off of the energy. But, you know, my imagination is a little bit bonkers and wild. So I, I, I found that it was it was fine to do it from home. I just prefer to be be around people. Well, I mean, also that being dark and everything, you're supposed to be like in the Himalayas at nighttime. And so you need to sort of set a little bit of atmosphere for yourself. Exactly. I was getting all that atmosphere from my uh, Camden Camden estate. (laughs) (laughs) So when you're recording with Big Finish, it's not like a Zoom call where you see everybody. It's just you just hear them. Yeah, you just hear them. So we were using um, a platform called Clean Feed. And so we all kind of joined in online. I guess, I guess it's like a, what, what we're doing now, like a Zoom where, where you, jo- you join in and um, everyone's sort of together. And then you can put yourself on mute if you need to go and get a coffee. If you're not in that scene, you can sort of wander off and then you'll get a, get a message or you'll just hear your computer saying like, Lauren, come back. <laughs> you know, we're going to do this. <laughs> now so yeah you it's just like the platform where everyone sort of hangs out like an an, an online green room I guess because uh that's where we'd, we'd be sitting nattering away eating biscuits while we're waiting to uh come in and, and do our next scene but we had a virtual virtual green room and then we would all just record on there and you can sort of mute yourselves and yeah I guess it that the pandemic gave gave actors a bit more control in that in that sense I mean we definitely still relied heavily on on someone an engineer that being there just to make sure that it's all running smoothly and backing up files and and all that kind of stuff but we were like oh shall I turn my gain up I I didn't even know how to do any of that beforehand so yeah it was really cool because um we we could chip in a little bit more on the technical stuff just to make sure that it sounds as good as as it can because we want to make sure everything is tipped up for for the listeners right right but my specific question, I guess, was because you mentioned like when you're in the studio, you can see people. What, yeah. Does this platform not allow you to see your other actors while you're doing it? Does, is there no video part of the feed? No, not that I know of. That I don't think we did. Unless there is a feature. But I feel that when we know that I, there isn't, there isn't because we were going to we would occasionally have zoom running and then also clean feed or that or then also another platform that I was using for a different company and it was just slowing everything down and it Mm. made things sort of like lag a bit and there's a delay and it was just quite difficult especially because in particular with with Doctor Who everything is so fast paced and and everything kind of happens I mean that's why the moments where it's a bit slower and a bit more meaningful or thoughtful or whatever they really ping out in episodes because the majority of it there's so much action there's drama there's music there's running there's there's just so much going on and that the pace is so important and if there's a bit of a delay while you're listening for your cue line or you're listening Mm -hmm. for something else it kind of really has a detrimental impact on on the scene I think and and the the directors obviously were were picking up on that so yeah got rid of got rid of all, all viewing uh looking at each other so yeah we just went on sound yeah, it's probably a bandwidth thing because then you make sure that the sound doesn't get delayed because the video is taking up so much of the bandwidth. So yeah, I can understand that. But yeah, that's not the thing. I knew that Big Finish was doing virtual, but I assumed that you could at least see each other in like little boxes. I didn't realize that it was, no, you can't see anybody, you just hear the voices. No, 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 no. And we didn't even do read-throughs. Like We like to um, do a, a read-through of each scene, but we didn't do a read-through of the whole because... um 
as as I'm sure I'm sure everyone knows the stories are so much going on and it's so fast paced the scripts when you get them are like this big so to do a read through of all of that and then go on to record it we, we work on quite tight schedules so um it just yeah we, we don't get the opportunity we don't get the luxury of doing that we're just kind of like right have you done your prep straight in <laughs> sure yeah so let's do a little bit of background here. Who is Lauren Cornelius? So where are you from originally? I'm from Camden Town. So I grew up um, in London. Um, I'm actually, yeah, I grew up on the road where uh, the Beatles uh, recorded Abbey Road. I grew up on Abbey Road. So just down mm-hmm. the road from those studios. So yeah, I grew up in a, a little creative, creative hub. Um, I say that my parents aren't creative and I, I was just the, the weird black sheep of the family that wanted to... <laughs> go into something a bit weird and wacky and, and wonderful um but yeah so grew up in Camden I went I did um a bit of uh, acting uh, stage acting when I was younger um at, at a theatre called Hampstead Theatre which was my local theatre I got really involved with the theatre company there um who Daniel Kaluuya was actually uh involved with um who's gone on to do amazing things um so yeah, that was called Heat and Light. So I was I was heavily involved in that theatre company. Then went on school, studied um, theatre, um, read at a university, and then went and did a, um, a, a postgraduate degree at drama school. Actually, the same drama school that Sadie Miller went to. Oh, very so cool. We went to the same drama school, but um, she was a couple of years ahead of me. Um, but yeah, and we only found that out actually in Chicago because that was the first time that I'd met a few of the other um, cast members. Because um, yeah, again, we've been we've been in our cupboards all this time, and sometimes we just don't cross paths. And um, I'm sure Jason Haig Ellery would would love to host a big old big finish soiree where everyone, um, uh, all the cast can can hang out. But we haven't haven't had that opportunity. So I hadn't met very many people, but I found out, yeah, that myself and Sadie went to uh, the same drama school. That is really neat. And I mean, we as fans always love it when you come to the conventions because obviously you're all the way in England. So we're never going to meet unless you come to conventions and things. And so, you know, it's very nice to, to meet the people on the shows, you know, that we're that we're interested in. So was, because uh, you mentioned, this This wasn't something I was going to ask originally, but since you mentioned that your parents weren't very creative people, were they upset by the fact that you were going into acting and wanted you to have like a more stable job? Yeah, do you know what? I think maybe upset is the wrong word. I think worried. <laughs> they were scared. <laughs> They're like, oh dear God, what is she letting herself in for here? Um, and I think they very much, I think when I was younger, I expressed a great deal of interest in, uh, in being a lawyer because mm. I quite liked wanting to uh, argue cases and send people down as a child that was uh what what I was what I was into so I was like great I think they thought great she's she's set for life she's gonna earn all the big bucks in and and she's gonna go to law school and and do that um no unfortunately it just it it didn't work out that way so I think they got a bit panicked and freaked out but you know here we are every time uh, I go on a nice adventure they're like wow this this is really how you earn your money <laughs> I mean, just a bit like whoa right okay okay just just you, do you know what they, they've what they've got to the point now where they're like do you know what you you do you lauren you do you um we, when there's no point worrying about you i'm sure you'll 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 be fine whatever whatever you do <laughs> um but yeah I, I think they were a bit um 
slightly concerned for my for my career choice but I feel like also because they neither of them have been self-employed as well and it is it is an interesting lifestyle when you go into something creative whether it's acting writing directing being a choreographer a musician anything creative and um I I did attempt uh to to get a, a normal job when uh I was after I was after uni and I worked in the music industry for a while and I went and worked uh, for Capitol Records but again I would come back with bonkers stories from working with pop stars and and in the music industry which is equally as as weird and wonderful as ours so I just couldn't escape it so I was like well do you know what if I'm gonna go and work in music and this is just equally as mad then uh, I might as well go back to to my plan a in life and, and pursue acting because at least I'll be in my my plan a weird and wonderful world so yeah well that's nice I mean it's nice that you're getting to do what your passion is Oh, totally. And no day is ever the same. Like when you get a, especially a big Finnish script, a Doctor Who script, you're just always like, oh, my God, they're always so good. And they're, there's always, they're always just so exciting and so fun. And it's just such a privilege to, to get to tell these stories and be a part of it. And when everyone comes together, inputs their piece into the sort of the, the puzzle of, of making these amazing stories, it's just so special. And I would not have any other career. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. So you mentioned, though, that when you were younger, you like sort of like a, I guess, debate process of being able to argue something. What are your other interests besides acting either, you know, things that you were interested in maybe going into when you were younger or just interests that you have now? Yeah, I'm a massive Formula One addict. I love uh, Formula One car racing. Um, one of the things that I do on the side is I work with a company and we look after the official Formula One playlist. So it's called F1 Tracks. Uh, any anyone's into music, feel free to check it out. Um, but yeah, that gets updated every Friday. So I've still got a real love for for music and new music and new artists. And um, so that that's a real passion of mine. And if I can interlink into car racing, then I'm I'm down for it. So I do that. And um, also I love DJing at rock fest. Festivals. I'm a big sort of metalhead and rocker at heart. Love, love music. Um, and yeah, so me and my friend Leish were actually just got announced to DJ um, one of the biggest rock festivals in the UK, Download Festival at Donington Park. Um, just on a race circuit, can't escape it. Um, that is in June. So uh, yeah, so I'll be doing that over over summer. Um, and then I love. I'm a fitness instructor part time too because I feel like fitness is something that that keep while while um you're acting not many actors really talk about all their other interests and jobs today it's kind of like oh they like to create the illusion that we're busy acting all the time I wish I was that is that is absolutely what I would love to be doing but um you know every actor has moments where you're auditioning while when one job finishes you audition for the next one and then another one comes along and then another one but in those gaps you need to do other things other than sit there and wait for the phone to ring because that's just boring and you you know who's got time for that so uh, I'll go and uh, teach I love teaching 80s aerobics classes I just whack on some good 80s tunes and get moving um so I, I do that I love it I do it for fun do it with friends but also do it for for a few companies uh near me um so yeah, those are my little little hobbies outside of um, going on adventures with the doctor. That's cool. Yeah. No, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I ask that whenever I have actors on, because I'm like, you're creative people. And so I know that you have more interests than just doing the work, right? So you have to have other things outside of that. So I always want to know, like, what, what else are you into? What things do you like to do? Yeah. 
So uh, you mentioned that you had gotten involved in some acting when you were little. Was there ever a point when you thought, oh, I want to do something? I mean, I knew you mentioned when you were really little, you said you were going to be a lawyer, but was acting always like once you got the acting bug, it was like, this is the thing that I want to do with my life. Or was there ever anything else that you were seriously considering? Yeah, definitely. I feel that when I was a kid, I, I was actually really shy. And I don't know, I, I maybe hear this a lot with actors, but I, I was a bit of a real introvert. And I still think I'm, I'm mostly introvert rather than extrovert. So I actually didn't have um, a lot of confidence in terms of going over to other kids and and wanted to say like, hey, do you want to play? Like, I would never do that. I would always wait for them to come to me. Um, I was quite happy just being by myself, like head down. And yeah, my I think my parents were slightly concerned that I was never going to make any. I wasn't unpopular, but I, I didn't really go out and make friends and talk to people. So they were a bit concerned about my ability and my confidence in standing up for myself, speaking for myself, taking ownership of, of, of myself. And um, yeah, they, they were concerned. And so that they actually sent me to some acting classes and drama classes to to bring me out of my shell a bit and and to help with my confidence because I just didn't didn't have any um so yeah so so I, I think it was through going to drama classes early doors and just being I guess given permission to to use my imagination and be vocal about it um and and go be set free in that that kind of made me think oh wow, this is, a, this is a career. And then then from doing this play at Hampstead Theatre when I, I think I was maybe 10, I think it was in 2000. So yeah, I was, yeah, in, in 2000, I was quite young. Um, I just absolutely loved it. That was my first taste. I did quite like maybe a six week run of something for a kid. That's, that's quite a long, quite a long time to be working. But um, they gave me a Game Boy Color. I got a new Pokemon game with it. So I was like, wow, if every acting job gives me this, it'd be awesome. <laughs> um, so yeah, so. And I think it was just from there that I was just like, this is what I, I'm going to do. And luckily, you know, I've, I've been able to, to do that. And we, we still move. We still hustle. There's a lot of this, a very competitive industry. Um, but I've got to work on some incredible projects with some incredible people and just, um, being a companion means that I get to come in a lot now and, and record stories as, and you get to learn that one character's acting is so wonderful in that you're constantly playing different people and putting yourselves in the shoes of lots of different people. But with, with Dodo, it's nice to come back and, and really get to know her and, and play with, play her and, and, and learn about her and, and keep returning to her and, and developing her relationship with the doctor, with the other characters, which is, which is awesome. Yeah. Do you enjoy science fiction generally? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I would say that it was probably uh, a genre that I got more into as I started working in it more. Um, but I've always loved like reading, reading science fiction. I've always loved them. I've always loved how kind of zany everything is and and how anything is possible because I just I've, I believe in that as a person. Um, so, yeah, anything, anything sci- sci-fi I'm, I'm down for. Oh, very cool. And how aware of Doctor Who were you before you started working for Big Finish? Yeah, very aware. My dad grew up a massive fan. He would, you know, watch it obsessively when he was a, he was a, a kid. Um, that was one of his favorite TV shows. So I was very aware of it. Um, and then we started watching the the modern versions. So when I was a bit younger, I I guess it wasn't sort of something that I would religiously watch, but it was very it was it was 
in our household a lot and then obviously as I started working within the field and and researching and and going back and watching episodes um you you just how can you not get super into it (laughs) so (laughs) I I became a big fan yeah no that's really neat so did you see before the new series did you see any like the classic ones or was it just like basically when the new series started is when you started acting you knew your dad had been interested in it but that's when you yeah started. yeah I knew that he'd been interested in it if he was watching reruns or or something then it would have been on in the house but um and so I would have watched some older episodes um but it was mostly me for for the for the when it came back the, the more modern ones so I got very very into uh David Tennant as the doctor so when I got to work with him in an episode called the creeping death um my doctor who dreams came true (laughs) (laughs) i i was gonna get there but yeah i I expected that i I think a lot of women would like to work with uh david Tennant. (laughs) so uh yeah i get it (laughs) (laughs) so what was your first big finish role oh oh my god i've i've been lucky enough to do a few so Mm -hmm. i'm actually not 100 percent sure maybe it was playing angelus in Planet of the Witches, potentially. That's what I was going to say. It was hard for me trying. I was trying to look because I know that the release schedule doesn't necessarily mean that's when it was recorded that first. Was when it so, was like, recorded. yeah, I think it. I think it was playing. I think it was that one. Um, and that was awesome. That was a great story. That was really really fun. Um, and then oh, I got to play Judas Shakespeare. Um, in one of them, that was amazing. I'm a massive Shakespeare fan. So what I love about whenever I get to do um the more historical doctor who episodes is i love history so it was it's it's like you get a free history lesson as well because so much of what you get taught at school i mean i learn more from coming to coming to work at big finish sometimes i'm like were these was this really good especially if the writer's in the room which is such a i love it when the writer's in the room um rather than sort of like dialing in and you, obviously everyone's busy so sometimes they're, they're not they're not able they're, they're already off booked for another job by the time it's it's come to recording um but when they are in i'm like oh my goodness does this really happen is this a person then they're like yeah totally this was based on this and this and so you do get a real insight you do get such a cool history lesson and um but yeah in particular that the creeping death one was 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 a real highlight for me um so far just because I'm a big I'm from London but just going back to London in the 50s with the great smog and and all of that kind of stuff I just found it found it so so exciting same with the Shakespeare and um, when I got to go back into Shakespearean time um that that would just be I mean my brain takes me there anyway in all my dreams and just time traveling 24 seven in my head, but going there and actually getting to put myself on stage at the globe, one of the most iconic theaters in, in the world, historically, arguably, um, and getting to, to do a speech there was just, was just amazing. You just sort of, yeah. And I remembered recording that at, um, place called sound lab which is um a studio that we we go to a a lot to record some of these um and it was just it was so fun and then you listen to it but i can't you we can't hear anything while we're recording it as actors and we never get to hear it played back really unless sort of the uh, they're listening out for anything that that we need may need to do a retake on but um, i got to listen to it and i just heard a little bit of the effect that they put on it um, while i was in recording i was like oh this is so cool this is it sounds as though i'm actually on the stage so yeah that was that was really special i've had some very very cool moments uh with big finish yeah, they're very good with the soundscape. I mean, it's their bread and butter, right, is the sound. Yeah. But I mean, like, they're very good with creating that sort of depth 
of audio to create like a full world out of audio. And I, I always really like the, the level of detail that's yeah. in the, the big finish production. Oh my gosh, it's so crazy because I've done different, um, it, it varies company to company when you do voiceover work and do radio work. But I was so taken aback by when I did my first big finish. Um, it, I, re- I, re- I just remember being told, don't, you don't need to ru- you don't need to move, you don't need to do any of your own sound effects. Because sometimes if, if you're wearing a jacket, for example, you would just zip it up and, and uh, take it off yourself and just do all that kind of stuff to get, um, you do your own foley in, in some respects. You normally do have a person there do- doing spot effects, um, but, but a lot of the time you're doing, you're, do- you're helping them out. Big finish, everything is taken care of. Um, so you you really do just have to focus on sort of still putting in effort noises if you are running, jumping, hoisting yourself up or climbing through something or, you know, all that kind of stuff. You'll still do the effort noises, but you actually any of the additional bits of, of movement, uh, whatever, um, that's completely taken care of, which just blew my mind. It's so amazing. What what They must have sounds for absolutely everything. <laughs> yeah, they've been doing this for over 20 years now. So, I mean, I guess over that time, you yeah. accumulate a library. I remember one of the early stories they gave. There's an actor, Jeffrey Beavers, who came in to do a part where he was going to be wearing a mask for part of it. So, obviously, he should sound different when he has the mask on versus the mask oh, off. Yeah. And they told him, like, hey, don't worry. We're we're going to treat it with an effect. And they said, like, he just was like, well, I brought this piece of paper. And he just put the piece of paper up in front between him and the microphone. And that they were like, oh, it's perfect. We don't need to do an effect now. That's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God. And it is quite fun when we get to go in because it's kind of like a really rubbish way of doing your own stunt especially if you were like being gagged or whatever all that kind of stuff it's it's so fun yeah so what do you like about working for big finish oh well where do i even begin just from the second that you get a script it's just you're you're in this whole other world firstly everyone is so nice that I am yet to meet a meanie at Big Finish. Everyone is is just the most welcoming, wonderful, lovely team of, of people. Everyone, everyone's so passionate about making amazing stories and telling telling super exciting um yeah adventures and getting I, I feel like yeah just everyone's just been a dream to work with from from start on every single episode that I've worked on which is which is saying something um so yeah every, everyone's done great and uh it's just I, I don't know what's what's not to like I've, I, there's too many there's too many amazing things um I just love the imagination um I just love uh the, the whole process as well if you've got any questions or um what I what I do like is there's always flexibility. They, they, um, when you're working with the directors and the writers, if you've got anything that you think, oh, do you know what? I feel like, can I try this? Is that like you, you, you've got permission to just kind of take something and and run with it within reason, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, if if you feel that that your character might do or say something or react, or that they're so open to just you being in the moment and and helping create the magic. So it really does feel like such a team because on on some jobs that you do, maybe more so theatre jobs or actually, but like telly jobs, TV jobs, when you go on, it's very much like right, you're going to do this, you're going to walk here, you're going to turn 
plan at exactly this point you're going to it's very hit that mark make sure you do this it's very very regimented and it's and it's got to be like that and I totally get that but I love it when you've got like a little bit more freedom to be a bit more flexible and that's when I feel that you get into a kind of flow state with yourself as, as your character um and and that's what I really like about working with Big Finish it kind of you feel so welcomed to really do that yeah you're allowed to be more creative yeah 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 that's nice you've worked with several doctors uh even before you became a companion you worked with tom baker david Tennant, paul mcgann and david bradley yeah yeah so what were the experiences working i mean i know you said that you absolutely loved working with david Tennant, but you know what was it like like you know working with tom baker who's a legend you know, among Doctor Who fandom, longest running doctor and his character is larger than life. Yeah, completely eccentric and completely bonkers uh, in the best possible way. Um, so, yeah, really, really cool, really awesome, really fun. Um, I think a couple of the doctors I was um, recording on days when they weren't. So I was someone else was reading in for them. So I'm yet to be in a studio with with a couple of the legends. But, um, yeah, I'm sure that that day will will come, hopefully. Um, but, yeah, I wasn't in, in studio with um Paul McGann and uh, and with David Tennant in particular, and they were, were great. And then my new my doctor Stephen Noonan. Um, so and and that's been really nice. You can't beat it when you're as again as I said when you're actually in studio working off of the doctor. I feel like the relate the doctor's relationships with the other characters are, are, are really really important, and especially for a companion role. Um, what, but the closest that I got to being a kind of companion was in um, The Creeping Death. And I feel like perhaps, they, no one's ever told me how I got the role of, of being a companion. I'd love to know. I need to ask Mark and Jason, but you know, maybe maybe you can ask them if you get them on for the show and then and then report back to me or I'll tune out. Sure, tune yeah, I know, because that was going to be one of my questions to you is how did that happen? Well, I'd love to. Yeah, I'd love I'd love to know. Um, but I, I, what I can gather is that I had such an amazing experience and I really connected with this character called Ivy um, in The Creeping Death. And I think from having that kind of strong guest lead role that I basically got to be kind of a, a sort of companion for that one episode in that I was sort of with the doctor for the vast majority of it, like solving the solving the mystery. Um, and we just developed such a good bond and such a good relationship. I think perhaps that then put me in in the um, running to to take on um, the character of Dodo and, and be a new companion. Well, that would make sense. But uh, we're glad that you that you got there. Oh, me too. I'm so glad. <laughs> <laughs> So what, but the pre-Dodo roles, which one was your, I I think it's going to be the creeping death because you basically just said it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like that was, yeah, again, that was just the one that I connected with the most. I'm from London. I just really, I just, I got so invested in Ivy and her backstory. And I feel that that Roy's right Roy Gill was the writer for that one and he just wrote such an incredible script that's something that I mean I know we don't have the budget to do this but if that was to ever be televised I could feel that that would just be one of the iconic episodes just because visually 
it, it just it's just so awesome I had dreams about it for for weeks afterwards um and and people still are really complimentary about that that episode to this day um I've got a nice gr- acid green limited edition version of it um which is I thought the artwork was was awesome for that one just yeah that was that was a really exciting episode for me and I got to work with two screen legends um, David Tennant and Catherine Tate who Again, like I've been obsessed with when, like, from when I was younger. And she used to do comedy sketch shows. Um, she's got a new one out on Netflix, I think, is which is just uh, launched today. Hard Sell, uh, I think. So I'm gonna I'm gonna check that out later. But again, she's just a, a comedy legend um, to me. And so getting to work and and I feel that it just levels you up as an actor as well when you're in the presence of of such. Um, esteemed actors and and people who've been on set they're just so they're they're really experienced um, and where they've got such a strong bond and where they worked on the show for years and and they're good friends um, that you you get to sort of look at that rapport and then and then absorb that and learn from that and it makes you a better a better actor because you're around it so that's that's what was really special getting to be such an integral part of that story because I feel like I learned and grew a lot from from being a part of it oh that's cool i do want to talk about the hollow crown a bit because um i listened to that one fairly recently so what did you how you know you you mentioned you like just being in the sort of historical shakespeare setting but what did you think about jude as a character uh, herself yeah i mean dude she was bless her it's just i feel like women got a bit that we got stung back in the day you know not allowed to be on stage not allowed to be doing this that the other um and yeah she just knew what she wanted to do so I I really again like resonated with her and um that that speech that that I got to perform as hers when when she's in in the middle of the um the stage it's just powerful and I, I just thought wow what like she's brave she's such she's really brave um so I I really admired that and I think that's that's a that was a really cool cool character to take on because it takes a lot to to go for what you want to do and and stand up for yourself and stand up for what's right um and and I I feel that she she's led but she set a really good example there and a good precedence and is just a good role model for for other people to to just yeah speak your truth and stand up for what's right and don't let anyone tell you otherwise <laughs> yeah no i mean i don't know enough about judah shakespeare from history i haven't done the research but it seemed plausible enough that this is a real thing that could have happened and it was very interesting how modern insensibilities but historical in the trappings of the story it was and so I really appreciated that yeah definitely it's always nice isn't it I feel like obviously there's artistic license here and there but um but yeah lose it on the on the whole that like it it, but she was real and and you don't really learn about her you don't really learn too much about about um her she's just not really um a, a a figure in, in history that, that you're taught about at school. So again, that's another reason why I really enjoy doing doing these these shows because you just get another history lesson. It's right, great. exactly. Like, yeah, I didn't know much about Shakespeare's children or anything. You hear about Shakespeare a lot in school, but mm-hmm. you don't really hear about it. You knew that he had children. That's usually mentioned like he had kids, but it's like I didn't 
know any of the details no, really. No, and I thought I was a big fan, so I was uh, I was proven wrong. Um, but it was great to be able to play one because wow, Shakespeare, total legend. Right, yeah. Um, so uh, you had mentioned that sometimes you're not in the studio the same time as the main cast. Did you work with any of the main cast on that one? Or? Yeah, I think I did that one. That one was really cool. I remember just eating lots of biscuits and sitting in the green room and chatting. So yeah, I definitely did. I got to meet and hang out with with everyone that on that one. Oh, that's cool. Do you have any stories from doing that, working with, uh, you know, Claudia Grant or David Bradley or anybody? Oh, do you know what? I think David Bradley was in for one of the days that I did on it. And he was just a really pleasant man. And again, you feel like you're in the presence of royalty when you're in when you're around the the legends, Colin Baker. And, and yeah, Tom, yeah it, it, they're just they're just royalty. So um, it was it was really nice. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It's kind of interesting because you didn't know at the time that you were going to also be a recast companion, but here you are working with a group of four that have been recast as the original TARDIS, you know, crew. And so, um, you know, it's it's too bad you didn't know at the time. You could have asked them for, uh, you know, like, what is this like, you know, to be recast? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it, it, and also it's always difficult when you come on to play a character that's that's already existed. Um so yeah, that's what we were talking a bit about that at the convention as well, just in terms of casting and, and when you come on and play someone that's already been, uh, people would know this character originally. So that's what's been nice about playing sort of Ivy and Jude. Uh, Jude. Um, it's, you, you've got a, a blank canvas and for Dodo in particular, um, there was already something that someone else had already sort of started to work on. So then I had to kind of go look at that. Uh, saying that she was a bit of a blank canvas in that the character wasn't completely fully formed from from um, years ago. So there was a lot that that I could bring in terms of and, and I have brought hopefully and um, if people people listen and, and they're nice they'll they'll see what I've been doing with her but um yeah it was it was interesting and I guess Steve Stephen um who's playing the first doctor will will be taking that on board as well because there are there are people who've obviously been playing who have have played the role and so when you come on and play that play take on that role years down the line there's always going to be a bit of wow they're not the same as the original but hopefully people will be open to um seeing how the character is now is being portrayed by by different actors yeah i mean what do you think about that because that is one of those things that's kind of almost unique to doctor who because you look at a character like hamlet thousands of people over 500 years have played hamlet nobody says oh well somebody new's playing hamlet that's just awful but in doctor who we have this where somebody new is cast as a role and people start getting out the pitchforks and the torches and they start saying how dare you do this so you know yeah, well, what do you think about that phenomenon? Do you think, like, because of the fact that only one person is known for a role for, you know, decades, that some that makes it understandable? Or do you think people should just get over it because, you know, it's like, hey, this is acting. We, we all play the same role. You know, any play, you know, multiple people will be cast over time. And so uh, I was just kind of curious your thoughts about that. Yeah, yeah, for me, definitely the latter. But when when you see and you you associate a certain person with a certain character, I do totally get it. It's so hard to then see someone else come on and play that character because you're like, no, this is that person. This is this is this is who plays them. But I mean, maybe someone could just invent a, a 
potion where people just never age. They can just do that <laughs> ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. So yeah, I'm sure I'm sure some one day that will happen. But until then, I guess people um it would be it would be awesome if if people on the whole were a bit more um I don't know, just just welcoming of, of, of yeah, just a bit like, oh, this is a new version of of this, but this is something that I know, something that I'm familiar with. Let's see what this person does. Yeah, I think it's it's good to give everyone a chance, isn't it? And then sort of be open to seeing where where they're going to take you, and just yeah, be 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 open open to going on the the adventures with with this new person and seeing what they do. So when you heard that you had been cast as De- well, right? So you said you don't know how you got the role. How did you find out that you got the role? Oh, I got a call. Um, so I got a call about it. And then um, I spoke to one of the producers, um, Alfie, about it and had an in-depth conversation. And yeah, it was a very, very cool day. Just very cool. I was very emotional about it. I remember I got the call when I was um, flat sitting for a friend of mine. It was really cold. It was like, was it last year or the year, the year before last? I'm not sure. It was a January. I just remember it being really cold, a bit miserable. I got that call and I was like, oh, my God, like just completely came out of the out of the blue. And yeah, it was just a really, really special, lovely moment because um, I just was talked through how this is going to be an ongoing thing. Um, I'm sort of basically being welcomed into the Doctor Who family, um, which is which is huge. That's a that's a massive, you know, privilege and honor and an achievement and um, all, all these things. And then also I was like, whoa, I've got a lot of work to do. <laughs> <laughs> so did you know who Dodo was when they mentioned that this that's the role? No, I didn't. I have to say I didn't. I think she's one of the lesser known companions. Lots of fans that I met at the um, Chicago TARDIS and also at Gallifrey were, were saying that they actually didn't know who, who Dodo was. So um, it was it was one of those uh, one of those characters where people were kind of like, oh, and then what's exciting is that it's made them go and revisit some older stories and, and um, maybe discover things that, that they did that they hadn't hadn't realized or hadn't sort of uncovered. So it, it's nice when when um, we're given the opportunity to bring back characters and bring back stories and and sort of explore all of that because you know there's so many of them. Certain ones can get can get missed or can get forgotten, and then you think, oh my goodness, this was such a gem of a story. Um, so yeah, whatever did happen to that character? So I feel like if, with if, with my situation in particular. Um, where the character didn't really go anywhere she was in it for a short period of time and then kind of just was 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 dis- just disappeared um it's it's nice now that we can revisit and give her a as an arc and give her a story and and really sort of get to know her a bit better yeah no it's it's sad because i mean jackie lane kind of came in when the show was in transition like with producers mm-hmm. and things and she was not treated well as far as just kind of there for for six stories and then for two of those like the one she came in she came in towards the end and then she left early in the one where she leaves which she's really only in four stories like all the way through it's kind of a sad story as far as her time on doctor who and so it's good to it is good to expand the character yeah so what do you like about dodo I love her sense of adventure and I love that she is really kind of happy-go-lucky. I She's got great fashion sense as well. She always looks really cute and she wears some fun outfits. So 
um I've said to Nicholas Briggs I'm like I just I'm just gonna come in just wearing all these fun outfits and he was just like yeah whatever whatever you want to do so I was like great cool that's it <laughs> so I was like right I need to get onto the production team just so that I can really get into the character you know um but yeah just because her wardrobe looks very fun um and uh, yeah, she's just playful. She's sassy. Um, she's not afraid to give the doctor what for as well. She's uh, and I. What I love about her is that she unintentionally just puts her foot in it all the time, and she'll just be chatting away, saying something, and she's like, "Oh no, that was that that was me. Oops!" And now suddenly, like her and the doctor are in a bit of bit of spot of bother. Um, and she didn't mean to, but she she did. Um, and then you you can't help but feel like, "Oh God, why did you do that?" But um, she didn't know. <laughs> so yeah, and I'm really really enjoying building that relationship with um with Stephen, and I feel that she really you know sees she she really sees him as family and what's what's nice is that he he takes her under his wing and you could tell that he really cares for her um and and sees her as family too and where she's sort of doesn't have a lot of family and has moved away from where she's originally from she is kind of on her own so she's had to develop a bit of a thick skin a bit of a tough skin um but she's still got that um you know, she's just a bit, she's just a bit lost, I think. And I'm, st- I'm still growing with her. And the more scripts that I'm reading and the more that I'm getting to know her and putting myself in her shoes in recording, I'm just getting to know her more and more. So um, I'm enjoying that process. I'm still in that process. I'm still in the middle of that. And so um, you guys will will grow with her as, as I do as well. So if you ever do wear any of the 60s outfits, you need to take a picture and post it 100%. online. I'm going to post them on the Big Finish at Twitter. So... Keep your eyes peeled. All right. <laughs> that would be, be amazing <laughs> in character as Dodo cosplay. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so did you listen to or watch any of Jackie's performance before you uh, went into the role? Yeah, yeah. Um, Alfie and Mark were both really super helpful um, because, again, I was quite unfamiliar with with the character um, initially. So uh, they, they, they were like, there's not... A re- well, in a... It's a kind of a pro and a con because there wasn't too much online that I could find, but they sent me some links. I went and did my own research. There's a lot of um, forums. There's a lot of um, st- there's a lot of information out there when you really go digging for it. Um, so I was able to uncover some clips. Um, but again, we had a really long conversation about this, um, myself and, and Mark, um, Mark Wright, who was one of the producers on it, because her accent changed her accent was 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 changing and I was like so what what are we going to do here so I'm originally from London she moved to London but was originally from the north um and uh we we came to the agreement that we'd like to keep her northern charm and her northern roots there and and to bring that through so so we did have a conversation about that so uh yeah so it, it was helpful in some ways but then also when I'm listening to stuff where she her accent is changing it was not so helpful <laughs> but um, in terms of you know, getting a sense of the essence of the character and her energy. I think, you know, actors change accents all the time in, in, in terms of like when we're playing one character, a different character, we're always changing our voices, changing our physicality, changing everything. And for me, the most important thing um, is energy. And and so, yeah, I, I got I, it was really useful to get a sense of the character's energy through what Jackie was doing. And I've, hopefully I've, I've wanted to sort of ping that, take that and run with that. And then everything else is a little layer, an additional layer that I'll, I'll input. 
Yeah, my understanding about that issue for her was that back then, received pronunciation was the thing. They So they told her to curtail her normal accent. But then, because I said, like, the production was changing, like, they sort of relaxed that as things went on. So I think that's why you get that sort of thing where her accent doesn't quite stay anywhere. It is, it is a little strange. I, yeah, yeah. Where is she? Where is she from? So, yeah, we're, we're, going, we're going from the north, the north of England. Um, we're we're ro- we're rolling with that because um yeah we're we're luckily we're now in a in a day and age where we we do not discriminate right. <laughs> again not speaking uh you know RP twenty four seven um thank goodness the 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 world has has been like yeah it's okay you can be northern on the radio it's fine <laughs> yeah she's uh but I do find I find her charming I mean your performance also but I mean when I'm watching those old like Jackie uh, Dodo gets short shrift. But uh, because of that energy, I just really like the fact that she seems really enthusiastic about what they're doing, but not in a way that seems overly done. It just seems like, yeah, like this is supposed to be an adventure. She's really into it. Why not? You know, And so I I really like her. Just give me a sec. I'll be right there. I just need to get changed. You know, so she's ready. She's got an outfit for every occasion. It's in the script. That's why I just I love her. She's always she's always got an outfit for for whatever she's off to, wherever she's going. Um, Just needs to make sure that she's like wearing something cute. (laughs) So when you went in to do the Secrets of Debt Sen, was that in the studio? Did you record it pre-COVID or was that under lockdown conditions? No, unfortunately, that was a a product of COVID. Um, But it was so fun working with Lisa, who directed on that one as well, who's a sensational actor too. Um, she, what, that's what's really awesome when you work with directors who are actors too. They, they get it from both sides in terms of they, they really, they know how to get the best performances from from the actors because they, they do it themselves. They know what they, they know how to communicate with actors. Um, so yeah, that, that was awesome. But that was in the cupboard, uh, my, my home studio. Um, and yeah, it, it was great. It was a re- it was a really fun, fun couple of days recording on that one though, because again, it was just so imaginative. We got to do some chanting. So we listened, I remember we were listening sort of on cans all together to um, some, some monks chanting. And so we we all got to do um, some some sounds of, of that and creating that. So we we that we had lots of fun. Um, those are always my favorite parts when when you get to do all the shouting and screaming and uh, do, doing all that kind of the running around all all the, all the effects. <laughs> do you think it made it easier or harder for your first role as Dodo to be a remote one? I. Hmm. I'm not sure. I just feel like it was very different. So I don't I don't feel that it, it was easier or harder. Um, but it was it was just a very different kind of experience. I feel like it would have been it would have been nice to be in the studio and to start getting into because a lot of people think that maybe that voice acting is is just about the voice, but actually it's really your your whole body's involved it's not just the voice because I always like to sort of wear maybe the shoes that that character would wear or maybe some a piece of costume or, or something to that that makes me feel like I can stand as that character stands or just so that it's in my body because if the character's not in my body then it doesn't really come out in my voice so um when I was in my cupboard in my in COVID I was I was sort of in a in quite a small confined space so I couldn't really do too much playing around and figuring out of of, of how she was standing and 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 moving around and, and getting her energy across um because I was yeah unable to sort of stand up whereas when you're in the studio 
most of the time you're stood up and I prefer to be stood up because I feel like my reflexes are quicker when things are happening. Something's over here. Something's over here. Ah, we need to, you know, I, I feel like I, I give it, I, I, I'm, you're just, you're in your body a bit more. Um, so that was one of the challenges I do, did find in, in that being my first episode. Um, but then once I got to do my second and third with, with Stephen, that was in studio. Yeah, I really started to feel like I was getting into a bit more of a flow there. So I, I definitely prefer it in studio. Yeah, I've, I've had quite a few of the voice actors tell me that they do little things to get the actor back, especially ones like Peter Purvis, who actually knew William Hartnell. Things like uh-huh. gripping the lapels and stuff like that, yeah. you know, which he used to do just to help him get the character flowing there. Yeah, absolutely. So you didn't get to work with Peter Purvis directly. Did you have any experience working with Peter on anything else or, or doing anything with him? Because he's also someone who's very well known. I know in England, even beyond Doctor Who, because he's been doing presentations and announcements and things on so many different things for years. Yeah, definitely. No, unfortunately, he was recording on a different day. Um, so I, I was, I had, I had um, the wonderful Lisa was was pretending to be him uh, <laughs> and re- reading in for him. She did a marvelous, marvelous job. Um, unfortunately, not. Um, but again, what a legend. So yeah, he's a busy, busy old man is Peter. So, uh, he's, he's got lots of, lots of commitments. Um, but that's the beauty of radio as well. And audio is that you can record from anywhere in the world at any time. And, uh, yeah, well, as long as it's convenient for for the big finish, the big finish crew, um, but yeah, you, you can do lots of things and, and you could read in with, with, and then it just magically all comes together and it's as if we were in the same room yeah i know i mean peter though uh, just as a listener because i mean he he was the character of steven but steven is also a character that not a lot of his material survives from his time on doctor who but his ability to narrate even is so good like you can tell he's been a presenter for so long because i just enjoy listening to him and and he's very good at that and he but he's also one of those actors that can do like the different voices. He can have a conversation with them. You know, he's the doctor and he's Steven and he talked to himself. And it's kind of, I, I just, I really enjoy listening to the ones that he does for that. And it's, it's a shame you didn't get to work with him in the studio because I, I, I feel like that would have been interesting. Yeah, definitely. But I love that. That's just, you know, I mean, all actors, you've all, we've all got a bit of, be a bit weird but to be able to do that is just is just really I, lo- I love watching people when when you do it. and it's, it's also really fun to do yourself when you're sort of playing multiple characters having conversations even if you're in the same character but you've got this side and then this side it's just listening to the arguments within somewhat within oneself it's just it's great and and in these Doctor Who stories and and in in any kind of creative outlet that's when people and I feel that's when people connect to it because it's like wait I do that. You know, I'm not totally, totally bonkers. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's really fun. Were you nervous about playing Dodo? Hell yeah. Oh, my gosh. So nervous. Um, again, because luckily I'm thinking like, ah, maybe people will have forgotten about her. Like, you know, maybe people won't remember. But no, there, there's a lot of a lot of fans who, who do remember her and um, are sort of waiting to see what I do. And and again, as we were saying, I think people have always got preconceptions of what they expect a certain character to be like and I think you know what I think that's even for books as soon as a book is is um is done really well sold out and and then it gets the rights and then it gets to be turned into a movie people use their imaginations to uh think of these characters and if you if the casting directors put in an actor where they think 
that is that is not the person that I would have put in there or that's not that that person looks completely different sounds completely different it can be a really annoying thing and it can put you off the book because you're just like oh my gosh that they've made a terrible mistake here so yeah I do feel like there was a bit of pressure on on my part so yeah I did work very hard to make sure that I went in nice and calm I've done my prep I've done lots of work I, I'm going to do this to thinking, you know, right, let's go have fun. Let's go on an adventure and let's do this to the best of our ability. And uh, let's hope that hope that it goes down well. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that it paid off because I definitely enjoyed listening to it and I enjoyed listening to you in it. because It's like the, some of the actors that have been recast, they try very hard to emulate the specific voice of the person like uh, Tim Trelor. I don't know if you've had a chance to meet him at a convention, but he, he does the third doctor now. And you can tell Tim is trying very hard to sound as much like John Pertwee as he can. But I don't, what you're doing, you don't sound like Jackie Lane playing Dodo, but you have the energy like you were talking about of, of Dodo. And it's like, so I'm listening to it and I'm like, yeah, it doesn't sound like the same person, but it sounds like the character, if that makes any sense. And so that's what I really appreciated about listening to it is because it's like I can hear Dodo in the voice, even though it doesn't sound like Jackie Lane. Very cool. Yeah, that's exactly what I wanted. So I feel like, oh, I can retire now. Michelle, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's, that's exactly what I wanted to do. So thank you. I appreciate you're that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so now you're doing the first Doctor Adventures. Yeah, a little bit of a different format. And of course, you're working opposite uh, Stephen Noonan now as the doctor. So how I mean, you already said that it's in the studio, whereas the, the Secrets of Dead Sun was remote. But how else do you find that difference working on these than than it was working on that? Yeah, just in that, especially coming on board as a companion, it's you want to establish that relationship. And what's nice is that it's, it's the first couple of episodes that are out. So it's the first time that they would have sort of been working together as well as characters. So it's kind of we're growing and we're developing the relationships as actors, as Stephen and Lauren, but also as the Doctor and Dodo. So they're both kind of, we're, we're, it's mirroring, it's, it's life imitating art. Um, so yeah, we, we, we're using this opportunity as well to sort of bond and, and, and grow as friends, um, as fellow actors working together as well as the, the characters. So that, that's, what's been really nice. And you can just really do that from being, being around people, you know, we're chatting in the green room, we're going to get a little coffee or a, a, a juice or a drink or something in between takes and chatting about, you know, family, just, it's just building those, that, that relationship and starting establishing yourselves as, as friends, because, um, it, it's so important if you've got a good I mean it's obviously a skill to have if you can't stand the person that you're acting opposite but to make it come across like you're the best of friends or whatever then then yeah great but it, it, it and it can be done um, and I'm sure it has been done um I'd love yeah I'm sure there are some great stories out there of, of people who, who make that work but um it's just nice when you are genuinely building that that friendship and that relationship in person, off off screen, off off mic, um, because then it, I feel that it comes through even more when you're when you're on. But you're just again, you're a bit more free, you're a bit more receptive to each other. Um, obviously, Stephen is doing some uh, uh, some little ad libs there, which are a, a nod to um, to the previous Doctor. But um, so I'm I'm having to now get used to listening out to those, and I'm like I can feel that there's an ad lib coming here, so I know not to come in just yet on my line uh, because and and Nicholas Briggs just gave up telling me he was like oh just 
he's like look there's there's too many lauren so he's gonna just just listen out so it's sort of up my listening skills and and my reaction skills as an actor as well so yeah establishing the relationship is important for that reason as well yeah no i i know about that problem too because if you ever hear about patrick troughton and john pertwee when they do multi-doctor stories together troughton was an ad-libber but pertwee was a must be precisely hit the line they would have arguments about it where troughton would say don't worry about what i'm saying just worry about what you're saying and he would say pertwee would say i don't know what i'm gonna say because you're not telling me you know you're not saying what i'm expecting to hear so exactly it's a nightmare but i mean if you've got two oh if you've got two ad-libbers and two improv improvisers then that's disaster as well but i mean kind of more fun because you never know what's gonna happen um but yeah so it's it's quite funny really i just have to listen and then throw it throw in a, if there's a little couple of reactions that i need to do based on what steven's just done which isn't in the script then we roll with it and we do it. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's good though, also to have that freedom like you were talking about. So I know that you didn't work as much with David Bradley and Peter Purvis, but it's kind of interesting because you've worked with three different actors all playing the first Doctor. So how do you feel like David Bradley and Peter Purvis and Stephen Newley, What what is different about each of their Doctors? I know, that's totally bonkers, isn't it? I feel that they've all got something quite unique to offer as actors but they've all they all share the same quirkiness they will they all bring their own individual quirks to make the the doctor who the doctor is um so they all kind of bring their own their own personality and and little quirks to to something that that unites them um but everyone is so individual and so different and that is definitely something to be celebrated I think you might have a record of some kind because lots of people have worked with multiple doctors like, you know, for, you know, first doctor, fourth doctor, seventh doctor, whatever. But you, I think, might be the only person to work with three different actors playing the same doctor. Somebody should look for them. How crazy. I know it's an honor. It is an honor. I feel like, yeah, imagine if we all went for a drink together. That would be fun. (laughs) Yeah, no, that would be pretty cool. So... The format of the first Doctor Adventures is different from the early adventures. What do you feel about the difference between sort of like the narrated style of the early adventures with the first Doctor Adventures, which is just like a a normal audio play? Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's quite nice because it mixes it up, doesn't it? You've got the narration is always really cool. It really like sets the scene. And then I suppose it sort of takes the listener into you're getting some backstory you're getting a real scene setting without every and and then in the other ones you're just like thrust into the drama so it kind of I guess there's a bit for everyone with those with the differences in in how it's in how it's coming across um yeah and, and I feel like that's a positive thing definitely because you've got you've got options there um but I personally I mean I just love, I just love the, always choose the drama. Just, just here straight in, straight into the action scene setting. And yeah, it, it's great. But I do really, it, it, narration is nice though. And especially when you've got someone awesome, like Pete, just reading the, the narration for you. Just, it's so soothing, as you said. It's just very enjoyable to listen to, isn't it? Yeah, no, I think so. So what can you tell us about the two stories that, because as we're recording today, the first Doctor Adventures has dropped with two stories, the Outlaws and the Miniaturist. So what can you tell us just briefly about those two stories? 
Yeah, The Outlaws, utter chaos. It was chaos to record in the best way. And it was just so fun. And again, you get like uh, Glynis Barber is just a sensational in, in it. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it was just really, that was really, really good fun to, to record. Um, so yeah, that one is a is a rip-roaring adventure. Um, and then the Miniaturist is, is kind of... Yeah, I had I had some nightmares when I was marking that up. It's it's a quite a spooky one. Mm. So very very different. So you're gonna get two two very different tones in it to these stories. They've got a very different energy to them. Miniaturist, very spooky, and uh, yeah, listen with the lights on. Um, and uh, although I wouldn't, because I'm a massive horror fan, so I quite enjoyed it. Uh, but uh, yeah, if you, if you're a bit scared, then maybe. Maybe listen with the lights on in that one, um, but yeah, and then the outlaws was just was just a wild. That's a, just a, a wild time in the forest and um, in the twelfth century. We had a blast. <laughs> yeah, maybe the miniature should have been one you did remotely, so you could be in your dark attic. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, it. absolutely. That would have been so spooky. Yeah, there's um, a wonderful actress who's in that. Annette Annette Badland is. Um, is it is in that one and yeah what she gets up to is uh yeah i'm excited i'm excited for you to listen to it <laughs> which of those is your favorite of the two to have oh, recorded? that's too that's too tough because they're complete they're so different in style um i guess probably the outlaws in in that it it was just just loads of lots of chaos lots of things going on lots of running lots of jumping down lots of hiding lots of escaping lots of oops oh dear i've got everyone in trouble lots of those it, there was it, there's just a real roller coaster and then the miniaturist was was just super fun because it's like getting that eeriness and creating that tension and it was doing it without the the chaos of of running around everywhere um but yeah i mean it's still there's still those those really high high drama dramatic tense scenes in there but on the whole it was it was quite a spooky one to do Oh, very cool. Yeah. I've learned with Big Finish, like the spooky, like I usually listen to them in my car, but I've mm -hmm. learned that the spooky ones I shouldn't listen to in my car because there was one, I believe it was called The Ghost in the Machine. Mm. And I was driving home at night in the winter, you know, when it's really, oh. really dark. And yeah. God, the sounds in that story were it like terrifying and sudden. And so it's like, I'm driving. It's like, <laughs> driving off the yeah. road almost because you jump. You don't want to jump scare while you're driving at night in the winter. Exactly. It's too, it's, it's dangerous. Big finish. It causes, it causes problems. So, uh, yeah, no, definitely. I have to drive home through a forest as well. And when it's pitch black, it's no, not lit at all. All the trees listening to a, a big, a spooky one. Yeah, it's not a vibe. So yeah, in the safety of, of, of your houses with, with the light nearby. <laughs> so is there anything that you would want for Dodo, either a sort of type of story or a particular character that you would like her to meet either in history or a Doctor Who character or anything like that? Do you have any ideas of anything that you would love to see for Dodo going forward? I would love for her to do maybe um, a Jack the Ripper vibe, London Victorian time. Um, yeah, going back to the Ripper era. Horror and history. I'm, I'm not surprised. <laughs> Horror, history, um, and also maybe to the Tudor times and and hang out with uh, with Henry VIII and see what he's see what's going on with uh, with him. <laughs> okay, no, that's very cool. Can we expect any more from Dodo? Have you worked on anything? I know you probably can't tell us like titles or anything like is, is more coming. 
after this month? Definitely. Yes, more is coming. Um, we, I'm yet to get back into the studio. I believe the scripts may potentially be finished, but one of the writers um, has written to me and uh, has given me an inkling about what it's what it's about. Oh. Um, so obviously, no no spoilers coming just yet, but it's an awesome writer. Um, you'll have heard he's written for um, one of the episodes that I've recorded before. Um, so yes, there's 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 stuff in the pipeline. I think I'm in the studio again this later on this month or next month. Um, so hopefully uh, this these two episodes will be followed up with some more soon. Um, so yes, more is coming. Fear not. Okay, <laughs> very good, very good. And do you know if you're going to be doing the ones with Peter also, or is it just going to be with Stephen uh, going on? Oh, I have no idea. So uh, I will find out and I will I'll let you all know. You'll, you guys will find out when when I find out probably. Okay. Like, oh, wow, this is what's happening. Amazing. Um, so, yes, but um, fingers crossed because it'd be awesome and it'd be nice to work with um, Peter in, in in real life. Yeah, no, I'm hoping that they're not retiring the early adventures line because I still feel like, especially with those actors who have been part of Doctor Who for so long, it's so nice to have them still part of the fold. And with there being so few people left from the 60s, having that sort of narrated sort of style probably is the best way to keep them involved with it. And like I said, Peter's got a tremendous, I mean, he's in his 80s and he still has a very strong reading voice and all that. He still sounds very good. So yeah, definitely would like to see more. 100% definitely no team Peter keep keep him going keep him working big finish keeping him keeping him working <laughs> right exactly but yeah Lauren thank you so much for taking the time to come on the 42 cast today really enjoyed talking with you and maybe we'll have a chance talking again either at a, another convention or you can always come back on the show sometime later when you have some more things to talk about talk about volume 50 of the first Doctor Adventures after you've been doing it for several years <laughs> exactly exactly no thank you so much for having me it's been so nice to, to chat all things Doctor Who um, so yeah thank you so much for having me pleasure pleasure to catch up yeah yeah it was really great seeing you again and take care and we'll talk to you later awesome thank you take care bye you have been listening to the 42 cast copyright 2021 got a question for the ultimate answer contact us at everything at 42cast.com theme music is sharper swords by brandon ellis Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42 Cast is a proud member of the ESO Network. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping at the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.